Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, everyone. Zach and Dean here. What's up, friends? How's everyone? Hopefully you're all doing well. Is that proper grammar? How is everyone? How, well, how, how, are, how all y'all doing? How are y'all? How are y'all, y'all? I wrote today on the whiteboard at school, Monday, y'all. And Monday, one, y'all. Of, one of the students was like, yo, Mr. Morris, is that even proper English? <laughs> <laughs> it's like in some parts of the world. Yeah, sure. It's like, Monday, y'all, let's go. Let's go. But it's... uh. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful Monday. Yes. We're recording now on a Monday. Yeah, this, this we'd like to change a, it up. This will be coming out on a Tuesday, so it's Tuesday for you and Monday for us. But really, it could be any day because you could listen to this on a Friday, yeah, a Sunday. So wherever you are, happy day. whatever day it is, happy day to you. I hope this brings a little sunshine yeah. to whatever you're doing, wherever you're doing it. That's right. Um, let's, uh, let's catch up. Do you know what's happening this week? Yeah. Oh man. Well, uh, I was just saying to you before we, before we got on, had a great, uh, had a great run yesterday. It was lovely to kind of get a little bit of distance back. And I mean, yeah, it just felt so good. It was a rare solo run yes. where we weren't like jamming together on ideas, but missed you. I know it's okay. Don't ever do that to me again. I, I felt bad. I, it was, I was <laughs> racked with guilt. That was the only part of the run that wasn't good. Yeah. I was like, if only Zach were here. But yeah, no, it was good. It was good. It's, uh, it feels like these last few days, there's been like some, some pretty nice sunshine yeah. in our, in our little neck of the woods. And, uh, man, it's still, it's still February here in this time zone, in this place of, of recording this, but it feels like spring is just like teasing us i know i know that it can't last i saw a tweet that was like in 30 days it'll be light till 7 p.m i'm like wow 30 days happens quick yes i always feel like at the time change so like we both have young kids at the time change like there is a new lease on life yes because typically now it's like you get home from an activity you have dinner and it's dark out and it's just like oh okay like whatever the the kind of like nighttime routine starts whether it's like the kids watch a show or they do some reading or homework or whatever it is but you're just kind of in right play a game do something whereas like as soon as the time chain hit hits it's like make dinner clean up dinner go outside yes because it's still bright out and it feels like such a gift and i feel like our lives are given back to us 
that time I, change. I, I need that with the kids, you know, like because oh. you got that window between dinner and bedtime. Yeah. And when it's dark, it's just kind of like madness in the house trying yeah. to like burn the energy and keep them happy. But when it's nice out and it's light out, oh, you know, go go for a walk, go to the park. Yeah. Go knock on, uh, you know, Uncle Diener's house. That's right. Come on over. And, uh, you know, burn all that energy before bedtime, get some fresh air. Man, it's good. good. It's good for everybody. But yeah, so we're getting there. We're getting close. Oof. But you know what? It's an interesting reflection is like we pine for summertime in these like dark and gray months of the winter. But it's like the the sunny days and months, like you really can appreciate them because you've kind of like lived and endured this like dark, cold, wet, yeah. rainy season of winter in Vancouver. And I don't know, there's something... Like, I would love to live somewhere kind of, like, sunny all year. Yeah. And I probably would never get sick of it. But I think you would, like, your appreciation for a beautiful, mm-hmm. warm, sunny day would be, like, not as heightened as it is on a day like today in February. <laughs> the dark lets you appreciate the light. And, it's uh, true. you know, they work together. Yeah. But that might be a little segue for uh, one of the conversations that we've been contemplating yes um one of the things we've been considering uh this week uh we last week we had a special episode with uh the the you know ever ever wise ever amazing maya wickler Mm -hmm. uh where we kind of like did a bit of a deep dive of curiosity and exploration of um some of the polarizing aspects of COVID-19 and and this convoy that's taking place and some of the systemic issues on both sides. And uh, we were just kind of exploring that further on one of our runs as we mm-hmm. do, you know, just run and talk about life. And um, we were just kind of like discussing how everyone's like defined by their opinions now. And there's this like rigidity to like, I am this, I, I believe in this. Right. And we've lost um, an open night, open-mindedness and and that's something that I want to personally rediscover and I kind of put that challenge out to everybody that's listening to be open to being wrong and to seek out being wrong uh, because I think you know in that openness um, of possibility that your opinion is is not right or that there are other variables that can be right um, it opens a window for learning and compassion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think even you can have conversation because we're we're in this place where we're in such opposition to each other. If we can even be open to conversation, I think allowing for conversation, even if you disagree, creates a bridge. Mm. And that bridge can diffuse the hate and the anger. And, and maybe it ends with, you know, a respect for each other's opinions. You might leave it without without not agreeing or coming to a consensus, but Mm -hmm. the fact that you're able to have that conversation allows for healing, uh, for a bridge between two, you know, polarizing thoughts to find connection. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good. I think uh, we we talk about, we've talked about on the pod before, I'm sure, but like the idea of like growth mindset Mm -hmm. versus fixed mindset. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are, pros and cons to both for sure but typically like i know we're both wired to have that growth mindset where it's kind of this expansiveness where you keep 
learning and experiencing and kind of moving further, right? A fixed mind, mindset can be really effective in like just getting down to it, having some really core values and like understanding of this is who I am and this is like my work in the world and I'm just like focused on this. Uh, but typically like a growth mindset helps us to kind of like step outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it in that way, it's like we should be seeking out the ways in which we're wrong mm -hmm. and not being so defensive and protectionist, not to the point that we don't ever stand for anything, but like we should be looking for ways in which like our worldview, our understanding of ourselves even mm -hmm. is constantly being like shaped and evolved. And part of that is like being able to say, Oh shoot, like I thought this way, but then I was presented with like a compelling idea that challenged where I was and it actually helped me move beyond into like this new realm of understanding. Mm -hmm. And so that's just like a, that's like a kind of like polite way of saying I was wrong <laughs> and now I see things differently. Right. Or I held, I held a belief that like wasn't serving me or wasn't serving maybe even more importantly, like the greater us mm -hmm. collective us. And now like I've moved into a place where I, can see it this way or it's it's beneficial for me to like have this viewpoint that kind of broadens my understanding yeah i think to reposition it to that being wrong can be exciting because it allows you to learn and, and evolve like i think like you know we've talked about this when you're traveling you're constantly learning new things that might you know prove old paradigms wrong and and it's exciting you yeah know, it's an adventure um it's a it can be like a bit of a a spiritual evolution of, of, of sorts. And I think for me, it's always easy to put things into analogies of sports because mm. I, you know, grew up playing a lot of sports. And if I, you know, I would, I would practice things to my best ability or best knowledge. But when a coach came along and showed me a better way to take that shot or to make that move, I wouldn't defend my old way. I would try the new way. Right. And it might improve the way I played basketball or soccer or, you know, how I ran or like, you know, so same with, with running or cycling, you know, I do something as best I can. And mm -hmm. then if a coach is like, you know, you might run better if you like wear this different shoe or change your, your cadence. And I try that out and it proves that I can run further and faster mm -hmm. and with less injury. Uh, and if I wasn't open to that, receive that feedback you know, maybe I would never grow as a runner. Yeah. And I think we can apply that to, you know, how we kind of operate um, in, uh, in the day-to-day -day life uh, within, within the world. Yeah. Yeah, we're so, we're so worried about, like, being wrong, mm -hmm. failing, like ha having to, you know, that <laughs> it's a dirty word now, but, like, having to pivot from where we were mm -hmm. to, like, a new place and just being, like, we're so caught up that we have to be like right all the time. Yes. And we all share those opinions constantly on Instagram and Facebook yeah. and TikTok and all these things. And yeah. those opinions start to be what we stand for and what we identify with, but yeah. there should be moving and fluid and, yeah, and yeah. changing, you know? And I wonder if like that idea of like sharing it and posting it and kind of making it public, this is what I think publicly. If that in some ways like handcuffs us to mm -hmm. now people perceive me as the person who believes this or says this. So mm -hmm. now this is who I have to be. Right. And even that can actually prohibit us from 
maybe growing when we want to or moving beyond because now it's like, oh, well, like now, because I posted that, like everybody knows me as the this person. So I guess that's who I am. And mm -hmm. I'm letting like almost those external circumstances or things we assume mm -hmm. about how people think about us. We let all of this like falseness define us rather than just mm -hmm. saying, man, I was that person but now I'm this person, mm -hmm. right? I did say that, but I actually have evolved or moved past to now mm -hmm. think this. And to me, like that's way more interesting and exciting than just like pegging someone as the person who once thought that, so therefore yes. they always think that. Yes. No, none of us are that boring. Yes. Right? We're always evolving and changing and growing. And I think the more that we can be open to it, and the more we can start to redefine mm -hmm. failures and missteps, not as some tragic thing, but as these learning opportunities like, that's going to serve serve all of us far greater than it will affect like affect us negatively. A hundred percent. And while we're on that run, which I just you know thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, we were talking about this idea of being critically compassionate. Mm -hmm. And I think the compassion part is for ourselves and for other. I think to give ourselves grace and allow forgiveness to ourselves, um, and not be you know, attached or hard on ourselves when we, um, you know, when we do learn and evolve, we might judge our past selves as, as being, you know, some negative connotation, you know, I was dumb back then or, uh, you know, some, some negative thought, but we're, we're learning. So I think we have to have grace and forgiveness for ourselves. And I think this idea of being critically compa crit compassionately critical um, is to look at our own echo chambers because we're kind of stuck in these bubbles of this is who I am, this is my echo chamber, and I'm in this bubble, and I don't get out of this bubble. I think just as we're critical of other opinions, we should be critical to the opinions that we attach ourselves to mm -hmm. because ultimately we're all flawed and we're all learning, and um, to blindly believe one truth over all others um, is greatly problematic and, and dangerous, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about our own government, and um, we can use the, the vaccine mandates. So, you know, I've, I, I personally have believed that the vaccines and the mandates have been in best efforts to um, keep the greater community healthy. Right. To serve the greater community and... Uh, those that are vulnerable and at risk. It's been to, to protect the, the bigger picture. So I've, you know, been supportive of the government in this case. But then uh, when it comes to, you know, logging the old growth forest um, to how our government treats our indigenous population, I'm extremely critical and think the government is failing. Mm -hmm. So I think you can um, be be critical and um, compassionate in the same lens. Um, and if you accept one thing, I don't think you need to accept everything. Right. Because like I was saying, we're all, we all are flawed. And um, to blindly put faith or acceptance exclusively um, can, can be a dangerous thing. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I don't think I don't think anyone loves living in the world full of mandates. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone loves 
rushing out and no, getting, God, no. getting vaccines. Yeah. Right. But it's like you kind of that's the thing is you look at it and say, OK, is this an inconvenience? Uh, yes. Are there maybe some reasonable risks associated with, you know, any kind of like medical intervention that we take? Yeah, of course, there's always going to be. But like, can we look and say, is this is the agenda behind this some sort of like evil conspiracy to whatever take over or, you know, is what is behind it? Mm-hmm. Is it good or is it evil or is it neutral or somewhere on the sliding scale? And like if we can say it seems as though these requirements, these suggestions are for the best for the most amount of people, then like the, to me, that kind of has integrity, mm-hmm. right? And you had said already, like, or, or, or before, like this brilliant idea of like, if it serves, what, what was the line? What we were talking about, if it serves the community over the individual. So is this serving the community or is it serving self-interest and the individual? And if it's serving the health and wellness of a the greater collective of the greater community, I think there's there's good behind the intention. Right. I think you can still be critical of how it's delivered because going back to we're all flawed, um, there's always a better way. Um, at least I hope, you know, it's an exploration of, of, you know, we're never landing. We're always exploring and, and trying to find out the best way to navigate this life. Mm. But I think if the intention is to serve the collective, the community, I'm behind that. If the if the intention is to serve the individual um, or self-interest for a small minority of people, then, you know, we should be very critical of that. Uh, exactly. And then using those examples like of, of the mandates, nobody's cheering about mandates, but oh. it's like, listen, okay, maybe we can support them because it is for the collective good. Yes. And then the the logging of old growth is like, cutting down these trees that are for everyone and serve literally the planet, like cutting those down for the interest of economics is like a very narrow, small, self-interested reason to cut things down, Mm -hmm. right? It's money in the pockets of corporations. And it's like, well, okay, that's more of like a smaller self-serving reason to do something, to not have an injunction or whatever the government decides, right? And that's where I think you can be very critical and say, whoa, no, no, no. This this action is not serving mm-hmm. the greater community. It's serving a smaller interest. And I mean, yeah, we're never going to get it right. We're never going to be get it perfectly. But I think that having that ability to like live in the tension is so important and be able to support and be, be compassionate, but also be critical mm-hmm. and call for change. But ultimately, trying to trying to look out for the greatest good for the greatest number is like where you kind of want to fall. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think in summary, uh, be open to being wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, be excited about being wrong because that's where we can learn and grow. Yeah. Be critical of those you follow and those you don't be compassionate to those you follow and those you don't. And, um, you know, follow notions that um, serve collective good versus self-interest. Yeah. Um, it's like we all need some sort of person in our life 
It's like a dynamic individual who can help us see our own selves yes. through like carefully crafted questions and considerations and in some ways like hold up a mirror to help us see you know what we think and who yes. we are it's like we need someone like that if only there was someone well, we've got an episode for you <laughs> listener <laughs> who do we got today Zach? oh my goodness this week was a very very special podcast with a guest so near and dear to my heart someone that has shaped my life in, in such a major way i would say she's one of the biggest influences inspirations in my in my life uh she's a friend she's a mentor she's a business coach um judy brooks judy brooks judy brooks my goodness i had the pleasure of meeting judy for the first time when we sat down to record this pod and uh yeah very dynamic uh wonderful human being that is just full of insight and wisdom and really has this kind of like magical ability to draw things out of you just through inviting reflection mm-hmm. and can kind of bring clarity and a new understanding about yourself uh, or a concept or an idea um, just simply like almost simply with her presence. It's oh, very yeah. cool. Yeah, Judy, um, I mean, it. She's so many things, so it's so hard to describe her as as one thing or another. But she's always helped me sort out my own bullshit. <laughs> yeah, you know? there you go, yeah. If I say something and she's like, is that really yeah. what you think? I love and how she I'm even... Like, is it? And I'm like, have to question my own thought process. And um, she's just somebody that I'm so grateful for. And I'm so grateful for this conversation. And I know everybody that listens is going to have a lot of takeaways um, to the point that, uh, you know, Judy is definitely going to be a regular um, guest co-host aspect of, of how we do this podcast in yeah, the future. So for sure. this will be the first of many episodes with uh, the ever-talented, ever-interesting, ever-dynamic Judy Brooks. Here we go. All right, we're here with uh, our business mentor, life mentor, friend, um, Judy Brooks. Hey, guys. Yeah. Thanks for so joining us, be. Judy. Oh, it's exciting. Exciting what you're doing in community. Love that. Thank you. And uh, it seems like a really natural evolution from um, a truck. And, <laughs> right? And, uh, makes sense, right? It makes sense. Through truck to podcast. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mobile podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. True. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. We should just like have a truck. That would be the that would be the true thing is like have, oh, a, have a truck a and truck, just drive around. And then like we could. Mm, well, maybe. it is funny. One of our, we've got a few lofty goals and one is to build out an Airstream because mm-hmm. uh, we want obviously to do podcasts in other locations, not just Vancouver. Uh, so build out like an Airstream podcast studio and take it on the road. So maybe there will be some sort of truck. Yeah, you never know. Right? <laughs> you never know. Back to the roots. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. Well, Judy knows everything to know about uh, the juice truck and, and myself and Ryan because she's guided us uh, both uh, in the business sense, but also in like a spiritual sense and a life sense and mm-hmm. a relationship sense. So uh you know, thank you for being our guiding force and, you know, keeping us not too far from a path that has, you know, served us well. Mm. Uh, well, it's been a pleasure. And um, I I think it's important to also recognize how it has impacted me, um, both of you guys as human beings and what you created. But also I often say 
um, particularly to either coaches or mentors or advisors or board members is, you know, I learned something really pivotal from you guys. And that was that um, when, you had the, <laughs> when you had the truck and you weren't going to be open Sundays. Oh, yeah. I was just like, it blew my mind. I was like, you, this will not work. And I never said it aloud because I was like, I think it was the first time I really thought, what is mine to say in this relationship? Mm. And I wasn't being asked about Sundays. <laughs> so why would I talk about Sundays? And of course, they didn't open Sundays. They yeah. decided what was important to them and it worked. And, and you know, that often I sit and go, what am I being asked to do today versus what am I not being asked? To? And I don't need to speak into everything. Mm. Where am I, where do I ask permission to, to speak into and where am I being invited into? And so that carried me really well. It carried me through um, many young entrepreneurs. Yes. And, uh, you know, to my uh, last experience I had with um, with Tara from, from Smart Suites, where, you know, she was a 22-year-old who started a business. And I think, I, I, I believe, I wasn't the obvious fit to chair that organization, but I was a natural fit because I had had the experience of so many entrepreneurs, including you guys, including my own daughter, where I was like, oh, sometimes it's about not saying anything. Mm. And sometimes it's about saying something that you're not asked to say about not business. <laughs> like, hey, is that really who you want to be? Ooh, yeah. Yeah, is that really? I think we may have had a few questions. <laughs> For sure. And so many times you you've allowed us and uh, other businesses that you've worked with to get to that point that you're waiting for us to get there on our own like instead of telling us you need to do this you ask us questions that will make us you know think critically inward and you know eventually it might not be you know you could tell us and we get there in a week and sometimes we get there in two years and you're like i was waiting for for you to get there yeah no i think that's and that's a gift back that's like the gift of like understanding as I go through different stages in my life, because I may be a bit older than you, mm. is understanding, again, that it's about invitation. It's about asking permission. It's about not feeling that I have to be relevant, but rather sort of being part of the community now, part of the business community to see others step up in it. And so that's, I talk about that often. Yeah. It's a really important learning. That's That's the... The true, like, I think mark of like a teacher, coach, mentor is they're not doing it because they think they have things to say that are important things, which might very well be true. But it's more about how can I watch these people who have come to me? How can I watch them grow and succeed? And what are the ways that I can help them achieve success on their own? Right. Like the, maybe the cute version of it is like I think of my kids and like the Easter egg hunt. Right. And it, like you, you can easily see or know where the eggs are, and you can just point. There's one by the couch. Right. There's one at the stair. That sounds like lots of fun. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. yeah. Exactly. But if you kind of give them hints, oh, you're getting warmer, they, and they feel like they find it on their own and discover it on their own. There, it's so it means so much more to them than you just standing there. It's there. It's there. It's there. And, right? and the empowerment of self is, you know, even when we talk about this stuff, some of the stuff I do around self inquiry now is not about giving people a toolbox. It's rather about cultivating enough inquiry and enough self-governance that you know where and when to flex in any given situation. Ah, mm. oh, this is a good response now. <gasps> and now, and now. And I think when we look at this idea of success or doing 
well in the world, whatever that looks like. And often it's um, an, a superficial or at least an external view of that. Then we start to think that that's what I need to keep being or doing. And I actually think the true joy in life is discovering and uncovering parts of you that can shine at different stages in your life. Mm. You know, um, yeah, of just like being present to what am I up and able for now? What is what's important now? Because mm -hmm. it does change when you have two kids at home, like both of you do. It requires one thing of you. And then later on, something else is required of you. And it's really about standing like that independence of thought and feeling, but that deep curiosity for what's going on. Mm. So not being swayed, but rather being curious and knowing, ah, there, there's a learning for me or that that really would benefit me and others right now if I chose to be flexible in that manner instead of freaking rooted in what I thought was. Right. So yeah. Really Especially now the world's changing so rapidly. I mean, what I thought the world was three years ago is so drastically different than the world today. Mm -hmm. 100%. And we keep, there's, we keep saying we want it to be like it was. And what on earth? Why would we do that? Yes. That's yeah. not evolution. Yeah. Evolution is the idea of looking forward not just with what's happening in community, what's happening in yourself. And really, you know, taking yourself to the mat to decide what is important now. How is it important for you to serve now, both yourself and others? Mm -hmm. What have you learned about now and presence and growth in the last couple of years as the world has rapidly evolved and changed? Yeah, I think that I've been um, so taken and touched by how well we do as humans and then also um, how quickly we can get caught in a rhythm or a um, pattern of what was or what should be. Mm. And so I am observing and exploring both in myself and with others when they choose to let me do so, when I get the grace of doing so, of that what are what do we need to deconstruct in ourselves and in our sort of social patterning mm. and what is important to pay attention to in self and i feel like i i guess it's never like it's never linear is it like we don't just yes. do well and that's it yeah, yeah, we yeah. do well and then we kind of not do well and yeah. then we do well again um or do better and i think that even in leadership, I, you've heard me say that before, Zach, the, the second you think you're a good leader, you're going to screw up the next day. Like Absolutely. it's just, it's just the, same, the moment you think, I have got parenting freaking nailed, <laughs> the next day you're, you're shown how you don't. Yeah. And so I think it's the, the humility of understanding that there will always be moments that are moments of learning. And maybe the self-regard or respect to also understanding where you are starting to do better because the other side of that and i know you've had val on but when before and i hope he doesn't mind me using him but we will anyways <laughs> we'll use him with lots of love is i can remember you know him calling he's been in my life for a very very long time we were business partners together gosh you know i don't know what 15 years ago now and um you know he's a deep and dear loved one is I can remember him 
after he was the CEO of BC Chamber and then he became CEO, or sorry, CEO of Whistler Chamber, became CEO of BC Chamber, him phoning me and basically going, whoa, this is a lot. And I had to remind him of how much he had learned. And a, when you start something new, it's always going to feel like a lot, but he was already, he had already climbed the first peak, mm. but there's always another peak. Yes. And then there's another valley. But ultimately when you're climbing to the highest peak, you are always gaining get ground at yeah. some point, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I think that that's important for us to remember and remember that there are valleys in between. Mm -hmm. I, I took a group of guys, um, on a glacier, we we spent three days glacier um, crossing and peaking in August. And it was, uh, some of you know from Community for sure, Zach, I'm sure you would too, Dean. And they were all super fat. Like they're all like little monsters, you know, they're all incredibly fat. And, but I watched these, this group of, of seven, like most gorgeous human being that all happened to be men. And I saw each of us have our moment on that mountain and our incredible guide Ross um, had no moments on the mountain, but as we oh, sat I know, over, I know Ross, Ross, That's yeah, so Ross, funny. Ross from Altus, yes. uh, who is, uh, you know, again, a dear friend, a, a seeker, someone who's been to lots of immersions, yes. but he, he literally is walking across, you know, I don't know how many hundreds of feet we are up and he's on these little <laughs> tiny stones. He's like, we're just walking. And you know, we're all, uh, 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 Marty was there and he heights was not his jam. We didn't know that until we we're up pretty high. It's <laughs> a good place uh, to discover yeah. that. Huh? Yeah. My a dear friend Warren, his was rappelling down. You know, another one, another of the guys, Tom, his was going across, across the glacier where there was these deep, deep crevasses, like mm. crazy deep crevasses. Mine was a moment where we were waiting to each climb up, like actually climb with rope. And I was sitting on this like little sort of cornice and I had to sit there for about 20 minutes waiting for my time. And I was kind of frogged over the rock because on either side of me was a drop. And then Ross said, okay, Judy, we're ready for you. And I said, <laughs> I'm going to crawl there. <laughs> Is that cool? And he's like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just crawl. <laughs> but Ross's where was where we were, you know, we were looking at these consideration cards yeah. from this artifact and we were each doing a reflection. And I remember Marty turning to uh to Warren going, we all have our own version of repelling, buddy. We all have our own version of repelling. <laughs> oh, and it yeah. is that moment of going, hey, it really takes yes. community. It takes a community of people. It mm. takes people around a dinner table for us to understand and re reflect back to each other. Mm. And I think that, um, that the reflecting back is actually presence. It's not like, let me tell you what I saw about Ooh, you yeah. right now. Well, one, one thing you said before we started recording was self-inquiry and, and, and witness and observation. Mm -hmm. uh, can you kind of speak to how that evolution of self-inquiry and how uh, that's kind of maybe shifted how uh, you develop in community or individually? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I mean, the word self-inquiry to me. We can just pause it. Yeah, we'll pause. <laughs> yeah, so the idea of self-inquiry for me um, is, I would uh, sort of put it in the um, category of self-governance, and that's like ultimate responsibility for yourself and the way that you show up in the world, the impact you have to others. And in that, I think you, we really need to play with the ideas of curiosity and observation of self and of, of other as you move in the world. And for me, 
I really started to think about it as not being a toolkit, not being an exact set of skills that, you know, you taught to people, but rather being in moments and being in, in a group or in circle where you got to both inquire about self vis-a-vis, um, you know, I use poetry, I, I use um, deep consideration so that you could start to learn how to weave and how to move given situations. And, you know, it was funny because I did this great work for Vega. Thank you, Vega. It was like actually such a pivotal point in my life about four years ago. And they asked me to go up to Nemo and they, and I worked with a group of people that were not of team. So they brought in all these people from around North America that were what they called sort of, um, considerate in the world. And I, I said, I don't know, I want to know who they are because I don't want to have this preconceived notion. I'm mm-hmm. really about not knowing much and going into experience. And we all got together and I used poetry to, for them to do inquiry and for them to share. And they dropped in, 20 people, didn't know each other, dropped in. We had beautiful moments together on, you know, around incredible food. So I'm always up for that, but also on, you know, remote beaches with the waves crashing and orca whale, you know, bones in the background. And I remember Simon Whitfield was there and, and I didn't know who he was at the time because I didn't ask who anyone was. It was just Simon and him coming to me and saying, you know, when he was training, because he was an Olympic athlete, when he was training, he never read um, nonfiction. He only read fiction or poetry. Because in reading about the course, in reading about um, anything to do with the race he was about to go on, he, he would be looking for that exact experience again mm-hmm. instead of teaching his brain to get out of like that executive function and go actually into options and consideration mm-hmm. and so um i thought that moment was so beautiful as he reflected it back to me out of how it had served him in something completely different called sport um and he, if you've ever met him he's an interesting character and he is um a really really complex thinker, (laughs) you know, and, and a beautiful thinker. So that that's important to me. The important thing is not going, how, how should I respond when this happens? Rather, how should I respond now? Now, now, what is required of me? What is being asked of me? How is it that I can best serve those around me? Um, yeah, so I think that, that it, re- it really requires taking ourselves to the map because we will make up all sorts of things in our head, mm. uh, both to limit our own sense of pain, which I'm like, bring on the pain because with pain comes joy um, bring, and comes learning. And, but we'll do all sorts of stuff to avoid discomfort, avoid pain, avoid our own discomfort and avoid the discomfort of others. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that we, we need more than that. We need to sit in grace. We need to sit in compassion. Um, I hope that I move through the world and I do screw up. And I think self-compassion is not wearing, you know, fuzzy slippers and a robe and painting my nails. I think self-compassion is that idea of, and self-care is that idea of when I get it wrong, knowing I can do better and making the right moves to make it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so good. There's there's so much in there. 
just like the power of experience too, right? You have these moments where you take people and are giving them opportunity to like see what it's like to like live in choice and not not have to um, have like prescribed outcomes for each situation. But by by teaching them this through whether it's poetry or or an experience like you excri- you described climbing this like rock climbing through the mountains, these crevasses repelling or climbing. It's in those moments of experience that that becomes our teacher for like how we can show up in the world. So whether it's like everybody has their repelling moment, right? Everybody has a repelling moment. man, what am I doing? But like those, even just those practices of getting out in the world and having experiences and then twofold, like having them with community. Having them with community. It's so funny because, you know, I, I have a, a meditation practice that's been part of my life for a long time. But I often, when I think of, you know, sort of yogis that then go into a cave and spend their life in a cave, that's not my world. My world is of this world and I want to walk on sidewalks with people or Mm -hmm. on trails, probably not sidewalks, I'd rather walk on trails. (laughs) But but is that idea that we can do some learning by ourselves, but it's only when we take it out into community and see how it serves others and see how it integrates with others that I feel like our work really gets done. And I think we talked about that earlier is... There, you know, with there's so much good information out there, so much good knowledge with books and podcasts, but and not but I really think that for us to be in our highest service for self and others, it is the idea of not just going around and picking up about a bunch of knowledge, whether it's business or or personal or other. It's about then sitting back with it, pausing to see what really resonates and why, and asking yourself, why does that resonate? Then assimilating that. Mm -hmm. And that's how we cultivate wisdom. And and we actually cultivate wisdom, in my experience, in the embodiment of that is now, and you know, we talked about this, it's actually like a really good brand. Yes, A really good brand looks like it feels like it sounds like it tastes like it touches. And I think that... Um, power of self, full self power is that congruency. Mm-hmm. It's that congruency. My mind is uh, resonates with my body, resonates with my touch out into the world, and I and I think that's when we're in those moments of wisdom when we're in our congruency of self. And it takes all sorts of bumpy roads. And like I said, we get there. We are wise, and then we're not wise, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then hopefully we're wiser, but we may not be. And then also to know when, like we said earlier, it's just not ours to say. What's not ours to say? I had an experience with actually. Um, I'm allowed to use names, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't get any like waivers from the people <laughs> I'm no, talking about. There's no waivers, but they're all but they're all beautiful people, and they're all people who've taught me so much. And and so you know, I know at some point we'll talk about this this artifact, this consider, which is a project of community and, and the sort of a lead artist, the lead art director on this was a guy named Sean Carter. And Sean Carter said something beautiful about one of his daughters is he said he realized at a really early age because of what she was going through as an individual, which was like expansive and huge and beyond what he had ever, ever experienced that how he was a good father was actually by not telling her mm-hmm. by just sitting in curiosity. And the words that I think about as a parent, I think about as somebody that sometimes supports people in businesses, as soon as I'm saying you need, I'm like, 
Yes. You actually don't need to do freaking much. Not giving them the space to embody an experience. Yeah, not and not giving the space for options because ultimately, and sometimes when I'm when I'm pressed for time and somebody yes. phones me and asks me a question, <laughs> yes. also, I think I've said this to you. I'm going to be super directive because I don't have any time. But once I've said it, know that I will support you regardless of your decision. Yeah, it is your decision to make. And sometimes I'll say to somebody, they'll say to me, you know, be talking about job or company or or partner, and I'll say. Well, ultimately, I think you'll probably be making a deci- you know, a change or a decision, but it could be now and it could be five years from now. And I'm here when you need that support or yes. not, Yes. you mm-hmm. know, so I think it's that I, I, when I catch myself sometimes and it's when I'm in a hurry, you need, oh, oh you don't need to do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do anything. I will choose to do things because of the way that I want to show up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like what you mentioned before, that solve and tell. Solve and tell. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. that That's the construct that has been both served us in capitalism, served us, like I said, when I called patriarchal operating systems. I am not talking male operating system, though it often happens to involve males, is that idea of, and I think as a female, too, is, you know, this want for and thank you to all those that came before me all you know I've done very little in terms of making um, inroads for women I think I've been supportive of women but I didn't have to do the hard hard work that was done to get me here Um, but I am now looking at it and going where is it that I am both in my own want for independence and not being told but I also want support and then so I acquiesce my own power because that's not others problem that's my problem Mm. and you know that's all that stuff as a woman that I may or may not have been affected from as you know like oh somebody will come in whether it's male or you know female and they'll save you you know and uh, yeah where is it that I I hope I haven't but I think I probably have Right. And sometimes it's really nice. But where is it that I'm making that decision as opposed to just allowing? So I think that we really do have to implode all those systems and sit in clear decision making mm. as opposed to reaction or as opposed to something that if we keep patterning on past success, we will not create anything different in ourselves or perhaps even in community. And so that is, you know, that I'm spending a lot of time. I, I don't want to be defined as very much because I then I feel like it doesn't give me the opportunity to be something different. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tie me down is one thing. Oh, gosh. Do yeah. not tie me down. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't tie me down. That resonates, that yeah. resonates with me. Yeah. No. So you're this? No, no. I'm so much more. Don't. No. But no. Tie, you know what tie me down to? Tie me down to the integrity you have heard me say that I want for myself. Yeah. I can do that all day long. Tie me down to being a compassionate and kind human being. Mm-hmm. Tie me down to that. And I was speaking to a friend last night and I said, you know, those closest in my life, I want and I ask to hold me accountable to who I say I want to show up as. Mm. And I feel like I have these beautiful, immense relationships that ultimately one of us is willing to forsake the relationship to be an accountability to each other and with each other. 
and therefore we never forsake the relationship. Of course. Yes. You know? Yeah. But it's all that. Can you think of the times in your life where you have like actually like gone like hidden or faded or away from the problem because you don't want to ruin the relationship when in fact is if you are not, if you're going into relationship simply to be there and hold space for somebody as they move through things, then I, a relationship just gets richer and thicker and more luxurious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think about that often and I'm very, very happy that I have, um, well, I'm more than happy. I'm blessed that, um, that feels like who continues to surround me and, and I watch it again, ripple out. Yeah. You know, it's those deeper, meaningful connections that are the, that's the, that's a true relationship where you can stand with someone and say, Hey, you're not being who you who told, you told me you wanted me to be. It's not who I want you to be. Yeah. If you want to be something different, let me hear that. Yeah. I'm in for that. Yeah. 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 I'm but, in for that. Yeah. That, and that's so important. And I think that that's maybe missing in a lot of people's lives. Like, who do you have that's closest to you that can call you on your bullshit? Mm -hmm. And not because they want to be like, oh, oh, yeah, you screwed up or whatever. And like, I see it. But because, no, you're, you're being dishonest and disingenuous with yourself. Yeah. And I'm here to like hold you to who you want to be. Yeah. Hold like, space for you to be who you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Yeah. Hold space for you to be who you want to be. I, I'm going to sit here and, and just be with you while you make these decisions for yourself. And then tell me if you want something different and then I can make a decision if I'm up or able for that. Right. You know, this idea of being in our truth so other can make a decision about their truth and, and instead of trying to navigate to an outcome of the conversation that we think serves us. Mm -hmm. So I want to, I want to control you and your feelings yes. and the way so that I don't freaking have to feel bad yeah. and you don't have to feel bad and then I'll get what I want. Well, we lose so much in chasing outcome where like the, the joys are often in the process yeah. and it, it also like doesn't leave possibility for, uh, you know, taking a left turn here, or a right turn here. And that might be where, you know, the joy or nirvana or enlightenment or, or what we're truly seeking might be if we're, if we're chasing the outcome, we, we might not, we might miss everything that's on those like side roads and those viewpoints. And Absolutely. And like I said, these kind of undiscovered places that actually already exist in us. It's really interesting when people say, oh, they've changed. I always think if someone's changed, I think, have they changed or are they just uncovering what's always been in them? You know, like I look at the idea of divinity and mm -hmm. I don't necessarily equate that with a God, but that idea of pure divinity, we know it because we've seen it in our children. And then we, we watch as not that they become undivine, but as that divinity fades, why they start to move around in this construct of what we say is important. Mm -hmm. And yet mm -hmm. in the, the most course of moments they are just they're full and complete yeah you know and and so how I, I think that I've got these I've got grandchildren now and I think about these these grandchildren is how is it I continue that I don't impose something on them that actually restricts them because we have so many limiting beliefs I remember like one I, I think I've told you this story before but I had this experience in South America when I was traveling in my early 20s um, with kind of a spiritual leader and in Peru and he was talking about he had a five-year-old daughter and he was saying you know I teach her that she can walk on water I tell her that she can walk on water but I also teach her how to swim and uh, mm. he was like talking about how in the west we have um, so much limitation on our, our belief system and it just 
really defines what we can and can't do. And we start that like from infancy, really. Totally. Yeah. And it's interesting when you're saying that, because what struck me when you were saying that is, you know, in a Western culture, we would tell our kids, you can't walk on water, but then we would tell the same kid, well, you should be like, you should be an NFL player or like we impose our wants and needs on them. And then we don't actually align them with like pure divinity, yeah, which is nothing about a socialized contracts, you know, construct of success. Yes. It's like, where is it that you like literally say to your kid, you actually can, you know, you can see through your third eye. You can. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you yeah. just go for it. Yeah. You know, you can. Yeah. The only reason you can is because we told you you can't. Yeah. But instead, we tell them that they should be an accountant. Yes. <laughs> like, what's yeah. that about? Yeah. And that's outcome again, though, right? Like, that's right. The, the power of putting an outcome on a situation and, and like not valuing the process. Say live into this and like it's pure magic watching those little ones and they embody like every emotion fully when they're mad they're mad when they're happy it's just or like it's not even happiness it's pure joy and it's their whole body right and then we start to you know quell that and oh you need to learn to sit for all this time in school and da 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 can you imagine how annoying that would be as an adult like I think about that about eating where you're like to your kid you need to eat now. Can you imagine if, like, I went? I was like, Dude, no, Zach, now you need to eat. Yes. No, 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 no. You. I, or I remember when I was young. My mom was British, and you know she had a thing about not turning on the heat, but also deciding like when we were hot or cold as kids. Yeah. And I remember like, <laughs> just because you're hot, it doesn't mean I am. Or just because you're cold, it doesn't mean I am. <laughs> that idea of just like our what we and and we do it with I know like ultimate care and love. But yeah. where is it that we allow? for people to decide how they feel and be able to articulate that. Mm-hmm. You know, interesting, I, I have a, like a consideration around that idea of um, when a feeling arises for us because I believe it's often like thoughts. Like if, you, if I went around and was my feeling all of the time, that would be, I would drive you all crazy um, because my feelings change so rapidly yes. and but this idea of ignoring or suppressing feelings too so i think the idea of feeling is i have it i am not it yeah just like thoughts i'm having that thought i am not that thought um it's simply you know i can remember oh god i can't believe i'm gonna say this out loud but i will i can remember um you know my i have a daughter named devon and, and she has a father a biological father who you know of course i loved dearly and I can remember when we when we separated, it was a really, you know, it was a friendly separation. But friendly separations also are painful separations. They don't mean that you don't have pain. And I can remember driving across. Actually, it was we were living in Steveson at the time, and I was driving across the Arthur Lang Bridge. And the, the feeling of of grief the feeling of pain was so prominent I like my thought was it would just be easier if he was dead (laughs) which didn't mean I wanted him to die Mm -hmm. but it was like the Mm -hmm. only way my brain could navigate that was that thought and I can remember like bursting out laughter and thinking holy gosh like I can't believe I'm having that thought and but it was so interesting to know that like I I wanted to avoid that pain so badly 
um, that that was the only thought that could come into the mind. Ultimate closure. So I'm so sorry. Yeah. I never <laughs> ultimate closure. I yeah. don't have to sort and figure this. And and yet we had such a great relationship. Yeah. But it was just the intensity of all of that of watching my kid navigate mm-hmm. that and you know. So I, I think of that often and, and that idea that we're not were not our thoughts. They just drop in and we sort of acknowledge them and go, whoa, where's that one coming from? Oh, I'm trying to avoid my own pain. Yes. It's yeah. kind of like in meditation when you have thought and it's just, just like, like, a, a, like a passing cloud. cloud. Yeah. 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 There it goes and it'll well, come back. And... and so if that is the truth, which yes. I believe it is, yes. then it's interesting that as we have thoughts about business, thoughts about, you know, whatever, we've attached to them and feel like we have to say them all. They yeah. become our story versus just a thought. Right, and and, we... and you need. Yes. Like I can remember when I was working with you guys early on <laughs> is, you know, I would say with huge, you know, somebody would talk about G-Struck and I'd say, yeah, you know, I, I spend some time with those guys. I think I used to say it that way. People would be like, are you an advisor? I'd be like, no, really. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I, I'm an avid fan and I maybe, you know, a mentor at, at best. I, you know, we, we are whatever we are. So again, you, mm-hmm. even there, I... Don't I ta- I freaking language, yeah. define me yes. because I don't want to be just singularly that. I'm all of these things in their yeah. life. Yes. You know, I'm somebody that goes to their wedding. I'm yeah. somebody who loves their kids, who loves their partners. And um, and it will be as immense as it's meant to be. And at times it will not be as, as alive, as present, just because we weave through life. But I'd say, yeah, you know, I, I hope that I'm supportive in them. And people would say to me, well, they need to put like more cinnamon in the smoothie or something. And I'd literally look at that person and be like, I actually have nothing to do with the smoothie recipes, yeah. you know, and you're assuming your opinion is actually relevant to the masses of people that enjoy you know, whatever smoothie, yeah, yes. <laughs> green protein, yes. you know, yeah. More like, cinnamon, no. you know, yes. Yeah, no, no. and I remember being years ago being in the fitness industry and it's where I learned that while we do want to get, you know, our understanding from those people that are supporting us of how they're feeling and what they think is you're thinking that in a moment in time and in the fitness industry, you know, at, at one point or another, someone would just say there should be a five thirty class. And so, you know, uh, uh, you know, somebody that was in that industry, you'd put in a 530 class and one person would show up. <laughs> People really liked the idea of a 530 no. class, yes. <laughs> but they weren't saying by telling you their thought or feeling, they weren't committing to that they would be there. And so where is it that I do that too? And when I'm in, um, in an experience that isn't one that I happen to be guiding or, you know, um, hosting is I started just dump into the experience and take outside of my analytical brain and people say what's your intention for being here and it's literally to be there Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's my intention Mm -hmm. i'm not thinking that an experience is going to give me anything because in attaching to the giving of i'm missing what it actually might be yeah yeah and oh yeah it's so good and it's so easy to give advice when it's when it doesn't cost you anything or to to share to share a you should kind of opinion when there's no attachment for you to actually have any follow through. Hey, you should do that with your right, business. I have no responsibility like, for whether it works yeah. or not. Yeah. But I'm just going to tell you what I think at this very moment, given that I don't have any of the context you have. <laughs> yeah. None. Yeah. And so as entrepreneurs, where is it we go out and do our good work of seeking counsel? But then again, it's the same as self-inquiry. We come back. It is our responsibility to figure out 
where we've had enough asks mm -hmm. and then come back and see what resonates for us mm -hmm. and then look at things like our financials and our plans and our team and make decisions that are proper and right for this organization right now and know that some of them will be wrong and feel confidence in that we will write them. Mm -hmm. So it's always about the where is it that we're constantly seeking as opposed to pausing, allowing assimilation, allowing embodiment, and then make a decision. Yeah. Embodiment is such a big one that I'm still learning and processing like the difference between, you know, uh, concept and uh, what I might be you know, putting out there to the world uh, through thought and physically embodying it being so different, like being like, I want abundance, I want abundance uh, versus like physically ab embodying abundance, you know, like right. just using ab abundance, like abundance as, a, as yeah, an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but often this is something that I've, I've just kind of come to realization with like thought and embodiment are like completely different experiences. Totally. Just like... Um activity and breathing yeah we think that they're the same yeah i remember talking to somebody that had been an athlete she's like i never thought about my breath independent from my sport i was breathing because of my sport but the idea of breath awareness outside of my sport it was like news mm. or that idea when you get in to actually um you know the idea of energies crystallizing within your body and you know often when I'm in body work with somebody, they'll say, oh, my calf muscle, I'll be like, maybe it's your calf muscle or maybe it's not, you know, <laughs> it's just crystallized four-year-old trauma, you know, that idea of like, hey, we're again, attachment, attachment, attachment. Yes. And then, and occasionally you do a really great climb and your calf hurts, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but understanding that it's not, it's not, again, it's not linear. It's not singular. It's immense and complicated and complex. So how do we detach from story? Because we tell these stories that live in ego and it might show up as a pain in your calf or it might show up mm. with the inability to you know, go further in your business or as an athlete or, or whatever it might be. How do we detach from, from story in mm. order to allow us to grow and evolve? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I do feel like a lot of it is about that being aware, mm -hmm. being aware of the moment and then making decision about what this moment means now. Like I th often I'll see people going on goals that they set five years ago and not recognizing how they evolved or changed. Mm -hmm. So the first thing yeah. I always ask myself, is, is that really true? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is that really true? And I don't believe that we can use that that phrasing on other people. I, I don't think going to you. I mean, I might say to you when asked, when yes. asked, invited, and I might say to you, oh, is that just a narrative? I'll probably look at you and just go, is that true? Yeah. You know, <laughs> but when someone says, is that just your story? I bristle at that. Yeah. Yes. Because I'm like, it's not yours to say unless you were invited to say that. Yeah. It could put you into fight or right. flight. Right. And some of the stories are true. Yes. You know, I've had that, people say that about, um, things as heinous as assault like is that your story about and i'm like it happened yeah and what that person's now telling you is the the reality the mm. logistical reality and now they're just sharing that yes it was an experience it was an experience that they're sharing up so when i think of that it's like let's go down is it true what is the reality what's your reality check right. if you're going to emotional intelligence what are the truths about that you know, this is a table. The truth is this is a table. Now, 
I know we can go a bit further and go, this is just a massive energy that we believe that shows up like a table. But let's just like, let's start at least on, on the ground here. Yeah, yeah. So this is a table. We could say, now we could start to, as we get into description around the table, is it a white table? Well, I could say it's white and you could say it's off-white. So we start to get into these other perception things. Perception is where reality is difficult. Then mm -hmm. we have to have a conversation mm -hmm. and agreement about that. And then we get into more like, I think it's a nice table. And then Zach doesn't think it's a nice table, you know? So all of these things go around it. But let's start, let's ground ourselves in what, what are the realities. And, you know, in conflict resolution, of which I have a bit of background about, we start with what can we agree did happen? Right. What mm -hmm. are the agreements about what did happen? Not, the, not our own narratives about the feelings and thoughts around that, but what did happen, mm -hmm. you know? And then we go from there and go, is that the truth? And then I think harder thing is, what am I attaching to this something that's now or something that's historic? Am I attaching to this my own guarding? You know, right now people say a lot, well, my intuition, I'm like, hard thing about intuition is how do we define it? Because often I will see, I will, and I'll watch people say, well, that was my intuition. I'm like, actually, it might be your guarding. For sure. So but how is it that we actually split apart that? And I think it is, it's like in the pause, in the, and what is the decision I'm prepared to make here? And then where is that going to lead me to? And am I, am I prepared to be responsible for the outcome of that mm -hmm. decision? In the end, everything is some sort of decision, I think. Of course, yeah. It's a decision to meditate. It's a decision not to meditate. It's a decision to, you know, get angry at your kid. And we don't, we, ought, we usually go to binary yes. in everything. It was or wasn't. It is, it isn't. Yes, no, should, shouldn't, can, can. And yet where all the beauty comes in is in options more than two mm -hmm. because then I get out of shins and shins and binaries and I start to think of these incredible expanse, that creativity, that discovery of other. And so that's, I had a dad once who was talking um, in a, an immersion in an experience of inquiry and he was saying, you know, I feel so bad because when I feel really badly about myself, I think we were these were questions of inquiry, he said, was when um, I'm taking my three kids to school. And, you know, ultimately it gets to be running a little later and I end up raising my voice about them putting their shoes on and then I just feel bad about myself and I drop them off and I, you know, I go into my day already not feeling like I've done a good job. Mm. I said, well, what are your options? Because, well, there are no options. I guess they could not go to school. I was like, what about if they just didn't put their shoes on? And he literally looked at me and was like, what? And I was like, what about if you picked up their shoes, put them in the car, and they made a decision? I said, probably it's going to happen once or twice, and then their feet are going to get cold, and then we'll make another decision. I said, I don't, I'm not saying it's right, but what about that? And he literally, and, and then all these things come into our mind. What if the teacher thinks I'm a bad dad? What if my partner thinks that? Um, what if somebody else sees me? But what if that's how your kid is going to decide whether or not they're going to wear shoes in the world. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's all those options more than two sitting in what is the truth? What's the actual hardcore reality of the situation? What's my narrative? What is it? What am I making up about it? What are my just feelings? And, and are those feelings attached to something, a pattern, a habit, a desire? 
you know, the interesting thing about even that idea of dharma or purpose is that even if we learn how to articulate that, we have to also understand that in us lies other desires around the need to be wanted, to mm -hmm. be seen as something that actually can jack, can get in the way of our true dharma, mm -hmm. our true sense of purpose. So we move through the world. I, like, you know, I think about that myself. I, I'm like, okay, what, jacked, what could jack my dharma right now is the fact that um, I maybe didn't leave enough time in between immersions. And I did a real, I think I did a good job. I think I, I a good job. I hope that I held space that I was supposed to hold. And I hope that people were able within that space to impact themselves and each other. And my learning is that whether or not everybody else feels that, my own energy is going to be slightly diminished if I go back to back too much. And so my want to create impact actually can can jack my dharma of creating impact, <laughs> you know, like, so, you know, whatever it is. So I think that that's interesting when we sit in that. Yeah. There's so much, everything, everything you're saying, like, I just keep coming back to this idea, which you've introduced of like the pause, pause, right. And that's it is, is you're doing this great work and you want to keep doing it. And like, that's how you show up in the world. And that's like your, your gift, your service, but to be able to, to hold space for yourself right? So that you can then do that well for others is so important. And it, it comes back to that. I think in our, in our world, like we don't value the pause. The pause seems like inefficient. Totally. It seems maybe self-indulgent or irresponsible, but really it's in some ways, like it's the crux of being a fully functioning person in the world. It's like right. taking those necessary breaths Breath. and breaks to yeah. say, how do I react? How do I respond? How do I show up? How can I be the best version of myself that I want to be? without just ever stopping to, to pay attention to that. Like, I, I don't think you can get there without the pause. You can. And yet we, I think we overlook it so much. Well, there's a word that I love. I don't know where it came from, but it's Cora. And it's the space in between things. It's the yeah. space in between words, the space yes. in between musical notes. And I, I think this is a nice place to maybe pivot and segue into this beautiful book, this artifact yeah. that you created which is called Consider an Abstract but Practical Approach to Personal Evolution. And I think it it kind of is a capsule of everything that you embody and represent and everything mm -hmm. that I know, um, well, that I project to be true of you. <laughs> <laughs> project away. I'm into this one. Yeah. Yeah. But I think um, we can start with what Dean was talking about on pause, and then maybe you can share a bit about your book before mm -hmm. we kind of get into some fun of... Um, sharing the experience totally. of your book with, with our that. listeners. But um, this beautiful quote that you share on the first page uh, from maybe Viktor Frankl, who may be one of my favorite authors. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to read it, Judy? No, you read it. Okay, I would okay. love you to read it. I would love you to read it. Okay. Uh, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space, our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Every time. Freaking blows me away that um, Yeah, so this idea of that we're in a world with constant stimulus. Mm -hmm. And we often think we're responding when really we're just reacting. And that goes back to what is the narrative? What are the patterns? What are the desires that are jacking our dharma? And the idea of pause space 
And then in that pause lies both our growth, Mm -hmm. our evolution of self and our freedom, our freedom to make decisions, our freedom, um, our our autonomy, our sovereignty. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason it says Viktor Frankl maybe is actually shockingly (laughs) not a Viktor Frankl quote. Oh my goodness. It was attributed to him. Mm. And I think it was... um, Stephen Covey, who who first found the attribution, and anyways, it doesn't matter. I still love Victor. So. Yes. Yeah, shout, <laughs> I still love out. Victor, and and so this idea of considering, and it's not by me; it's curated by me. It, this is the the work of um, a huge community of people, mm-hmm. you know, five hundred plus plus. Yes, um, that have come together at different times in companies in groups, and really with the bravery of self-inquiry and then pausing and sometimes coming back because you can't just go once. It's like training for a marathon and only going for a run once. We, we, need, a con- we need to um, both have daily pauses, but we also, I believe, need to have pauses where we come back to like center and actually you know, do the hard work of sitting with self in all our discomfort. And when you look at that, there's things in this the bound version because there's the bound version, and then there's these cards that I think we'll play with. But the bound version is um, everybody in there chose photos. They were either photos from people of community. Uh, Juno Kim's in there, who I think was on this. Mm-hmm. Is uh, yes. uh, uh, Sean Carter's in there? Um, uh, Jackie Divers in there. Uh, or Jackie Dive, sorry. There's, you know, people that were either of or, or or they were adjacent to me in my life in some way. And then even in these things called considerations, there's these consideration cards that each have an image on the back. People from in community took one of the considerations and they chose an image that resonated for them, how that consideration landed for them. Mm. And you'll see poetry in there from people in the community. You know, many of our, I mean, our community is both big and small because yes. many of them you've had, you've also had on here. But so it feels like, um, it's funny. One of the guys said to me the other day, he goes, oh, I'm so happy my book's finally been printed because people <laughs> actually feel like it's, it's theirs nice. because it is theirs. Yeah. yeah. You know, it is theirs. It's not mine. It's ours. It's theirs. It's every individual's. And, and there's conversations in there with people that sat in their own self-inquiry and then and a conversation with me and on the conversations their hands and those are both my hands and their hands cool uh, so yeah it was it was a deeply considered piece of work it was really important to me that poetry sat in it that that aesthetic was um was both brilliant and um a little and a bit of a discovery i don't think that it shows up and you know what it's going to be and um, and the beauty of it was definitely uh, all the community getting together. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's like the that's the whole idea of community. Is like we own it, we participate in it, we are it together. Exactly. It's not one person's thing that I'm showing up to. It's like it's mine, it's yours, it's ours. It's ours, and yeah. it feels like when somebody said to me as I received the first copy, "How does it feel?" and I said, "It feels exactly like it should," which it feels like I get to host the dinner. But the dinner is made, and I might have set the table, but the dinner is only the dinner because of the people that are at the table. Yeah, you know, so yeah. it feels like that every time I open it, and and as I I watch people move through it, I'm in constant awe as people move through it about mm-hmm. what comes up for them. Well, it's such an experience, which is so cool and unique for 
I mean, I loosely call it a book, but it's more, more, it is more an experience or an artifact or a piece of art than a a book in the traditional sense. Uh, But should we jump into it? Yeah, let's do it. Should we we pull some, uh, pull pull some considerations? Yeah. Okay, pull Dean, you want to pull some too? Yeah, yeah. Do you I, got, have, you, I got some. Did you already pick a couple of faves? I got some that stood out to me right okay. away. Okay, yeah, you, yeah. you can lead off then. I, I was going to say, maybe I'll lead off because just before we started talking about the, the artifact, the book here, um, we were talking about the idea of the experiences that we have that happen that maybe serve as like definitive moments. Mm. And something that I've heard a lot, and I'm sure you both have heard lots in the last 24 or so months mm-hmm. is like, I am statements. Mm. I'm so anxious is Mm. one that I hear on the daily. And rather than people saying things like I have anxiety, they're saying I am Mm -hmm. and they're allowing themselves to be defined by this thing, which is it's language and maybe it's semantics, but I think it's important. Oh, it's important. Language is important. So one consideration (laughs) you have is it did not happen to you. It just happened. Mm. So what's a way that we could help to understand that around like, releasing narrative and i know we touched on this a little bit but maybe with some intentionality around Mm. you are not defined by those things Mm. but those things happened and like it's okay but then what yeah and i think the um the distance the pause the spaces in between the experience or the happening and the idea that you have to you know we talked about the word you don't have to embody it yes you can assimilate it but you don't have to embody it and I think just even the framing of the word, and there's some cultures where when they're talking about emotion, they talk about it as I have it, not I am it. Mm-hmm. And so just that distance and, and being able to be present for it, to the, the full feeling of it, as opposed to live in it is an important one, I think. I don't have to live in this. And even, you know, I... Horrible things happen to people, and and you've been to immersion. Things are raised where you're just like, how are we even this good as human beings, considering the very very awful shitty things that can happen to us? Mm-hmm. But when we when we when we reframe that and say this happened, and it may have in fact impacted me, and and occasionally when we're talking about something as horrendous as um, you know violence or sexual trauma, indeed your body had that experience, but it's the idea of like, hey, if I sit in this this way, then I have the energy and the ability to decide what I'm going to do with myself and my feelings. So that definition of things. And it's not just the definition of experience. It's the definition of, you know, people say to me, you're an entrepreneur. Well, I guess I'm entrepreneurial, Mm. but I'm not just an entrepreneur. I'm all of these things. And at any given time, I might want to drop one of them. And then what are you going to do? Yeah. (laughs) You know, about me. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, that's what it's for me. So the inquiry around that is just is what am I allowing? What narrative do I have going on about this? And what if I separated the events, the reality of the table from... um, the the what the story in my head then what I kind of I was talking about it the other day to someone and I said you know when we get in these moments it's like we're a stew and we can't figure out any of the ingredients and it's like just uh you know not that I don't like stews I do but it's like it's just the all this ingredients and so if I said looked at a stew and said what else could you make with that stew it would be very hard to figure that out until I separated all the ingredients and then I went, ah, in that stew is, you know, carrots, our yams, our um, 
you know, it's kale is beans. Notice how I'm going plant-based on this. I know. I was going to say, a vegan stew is a good I'm stew. going plant-based on the stew. Is, and then going, oh, what could I make with that? So it's the, it's the pulling apart instead of just lumping it in yeah. as all one thing that I think is important. And even with horrendous things, I was in immersion um, a month ago with this most beautiful woman who brought forth some really horrendous trauma that, you know, it's like, those are showstopper moments for me where I just am like, whoosh, okay, thank you, thank you, is, and, and just her saying, hey, it was actually interesting. She was almost doing the opposite of going, well, nothing's a reality, even this horrendous trauma. And I was like, hey, it happened. That did happen. The idea that it happened to you, take away that from it. But don't, don't, don't release the idea that a table exists, that the trauma exists, because it's important. Mm-hmm. It's important to know that. And now what? Now what do you choose? Yeah. And now what? And now what? So what is it? how is it that you're going to... And what about if we're defined by literally, like I said, nothing except for those most core things around compassion and kindness? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good thing to reframe, right? And and to ask and allow, to allow people to consider for themselves is to to spend the time and do the work to say, okay, who am I like at my core? Like, right. what are my values? What are the things that I never, you know, want to compromise on? Or even if I do, like, I'm going to come back yeah. to come back to that. But say these are like the core things, and it's not a job or you know, I'm this person's partner or this thing. These kind of external definitions, even with children. It's really hard because, yeah. of course, we all love our children, but not being defined by your children. Because how does that allow them to go on and be their own little beings? Yes. And, and it's such a huge responsibility for them to think that your life only revolves around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of these things. So that, that is that distance. It's like taking the distance. It's the, what we talked about before. And then literally going, you know, if, if I separate this, I'm in reality about the events, but I separate the narrative from it. What then could I allow to happen for me? And what decision am I making? And, you know, um, Zach knows this. I don't know if you know this, but I had a daughter who, who's had some pretty traumatic things happen and, and they're public and she knows about them. But is that even in that, the idea of even attaching definition to those that did harm and they did do harm, but those that did harm meant that we took away the energy from her of her own growth. And so again, you know, blessed to have, not blessed for her, my daughter to have had that experience, but blessed to have somebody called Devon, a daughter that chose to navigate this individually and as a family of separating from the happening into the now, and now what? Yes. And now what? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, to go to such an extreme example, like have Viktor Frankl and, and many others like himself are defined as Holocaust survivors. And that's, you know, one part of their, their life and they're fortunate to survive, but it doesn't define, you know, who they are as people. It kind of, if you, if you define them it's, as that, it's, it's kind it's, of an interesting fact. Yes. And, yeah. and, you know, has a whole, and I say that sort of coldly and I don't mean it coldly because yes. it has all this depth to it, but it's, it's just a, it is a reality of yes. part of a life experience yes. that, you know, exists. And it is all about the, not what do we do with it, but how is it that we yes. allow ourselves to grow within whatever has happened? Yeah. Yeah. 
it's the it's the cocktail party like remember when we had those where people would come over and mingle and all that. Right. but like the classic question you always go around asking like oh what do you do oh my and, god and then, and then it's like it's this moment of definition oh i am a this and you're like supposed to talk about your job and for some people like their core values and their passion is what they do and that's great that it's all aligned but for some other people it's like oh i do this for work but actually this is who i am and this is far more interesting and like right. what I do for a job, but that kind of like icebreaker, small talk, surface level question, which is, yeah. but it's like, Hey, like, what do you do for work? And right. somehow that is like supposed to be the gateway to who you are as a person. Right. And it's like, no, these are things, but I am so much more than any one of these events or things that have happened to me or that I participate in. Yeah. You great. Know? What does your card say? Oh, I haven't even, I just have it right here. I haven't intentionally chosen one, but I guess this one's on top. So okay, it's, which uh, one is it? Uh, what if it was easy? Are you making life harder than it has to be? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, that idea of it can be complex and it might not, and it might take effort, but ease is um, how we receive things, you know, mm-hmm. it's funny. Cause I was thinking about that embodiment thing and thinking about when the, any, when you said anxiousness, you know, the idea of, cause in this last couple of years, I've been on the phone with lots of people who are experiencing such a high degree of, um, anxiousness, even depression. And two things, as I say, you know, like the practice when someone calls me in a moment of panic is to say, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, body. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. You know, thank you. Panic attack. Thank you. Um, and I think that's the, what is, if it were easy is the thanks to all that comes Mm -hmm. to you, even when it feels complex, even when it has deep impact and just thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you. And that brings a sense of ease. It's funny. I was working with someone the other day and, um, pain is an interesting thing for me because I think there's like an attachment to pain as being bad and I'm not saying it's good. But it also gives us all sorts of signs of what's going on for us, whether it's emotional or even body pain. Yes. And, and, and again, if we re- can receive that feeling with, you know, like a gentle smile as opposed to that, you know, frown. Even at, like, think about how we talk about having kids now. Yes. You know, they used to be labor and now they say, oh, are you having waves? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we're trying to change the language because the language solidifies as good or bad instead mm-hmm. of just is. And I think that's what, what if it were easy? It is. Yes. And so what mm. if we breathe into it? Can we accept it with ease as opposed with struggle? Mm-hmm. Even if it's deeply impactful. Right. Yeah. I, I think about this one a lot in business and in life. Um, this is like a weird way to frame it, but having like a sports background, I often will ask like, what is a winning version of that problem or that equation? Because mm-hmm. I think we can stop and be like, well, that's not possible. But if you think, what is a winning version of that um, equation, then you all of a sudden you're living in possibility and it just like allows, it frees you to start to take action and, and then mood can follow action and, and uh, you know, it can kind of have a ripple of, totally. of impact versus just not even exploring further than I can't do this. Well, you can even the energy around some of these things is so interesting to me. The energy, like the flow of ease, even when, like I said, it's complicated. Yeah. You know, 
even when, so maybe even difficult is different than hard. Yes. Hard is like, I have decided yeah. that this is hard. Difficult can be complexity, yeah. you know, and again, you said it's just language, but language yes. is so important for ourselves too. And I can feel when I'm making something hard for myself. Yes. I, I think we can all feel that. Yeah. Um, there was um, a beautiful, um, I forgot who it was, the shaman. It was a shaman. It was, I think it was from Ecuador, if um, memory serves me correct. And he was talking about this idea of depression. And he was saying that depression is not grief. Depression is a lack of expression of grief. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I mean, where, what else can we pull that out into? Oh. You know, this idea of where can we express and express doesn't mean, again, we can be responsible in our expressiveness, which is not suppressing. But you know, the idea of when you have anger, you don't have to be angry and I don't have to give my offload my anger to you, Yeah, but I can sit in acknowledgement of my anger and even say, gosh, I am watching anger inside myself right now. Mm -hmm. And it is not a comfortable experience. And instead of thinking the anger is about you, the anger is mine. Yeah. Yeah. It's not yours. Yes. So, yeah, I thought that was beautiful though that I, because, you know, we talked earlier before um, we started about this idea of death mm -hmm. and, um, this idea of grief and I'm like, if I can bring grief on mm -hmm. because I know with grief means that there was immense joy yeah. because I couldn't feel that unless I felt that. Yeah. And yeah, that I, I don't have to live in it. I can be part, uh, I can breathe it in and I can breathe it out. I can breathe. And the next moment can be deep joy. Mm -hmm. I can have all of those experiences in a single minute. Yeah. And it you kind of need all of them to, experience one or the other i think without uh, without grief maybe the experience of joy is much different and vice versa yeah and that idea of equanimity to me is not the controlling of our feelings it's rather the being able to stay in center while mm -hmm. they they why they go in and out of us and swirl around us just like thoughts yeah you know it's being able to still be in center to not to be able to even pause before, you know, the pause of is equanimity. And then the response is sort of the action of equanimity. Um, and everything else is sort of swirly and haphazard or can be, yeah. can be, you know, can show up as that. Yeah. You can tell when people are in pause, you know, there's like, well, it's that idea if you've been with somebody where they are in a moment of deep anxiety or um, been with somebody when they're in a moment of, um, of struggle within themselves and if you breathe with them it's you know and we tend to hold our breath with them <gasps> and then the whole you know we upregulate everything yes and so whereas we you know you'll you've been in that at a dinner when someone says something that's so immense they're letting you know they're disclosing or allowing for something to surface for them and you know it's always a gentle reminder of like let's all exhale now you know yeah. because we hold it for each other yeah and then that creates that energy that, that energy of, uh, uh, and also when someone's sharing something that's so difficult to share and others aren't breathing with them their psyche gets the idea of like this is actually dangerous mm -hmm. you know it increases the fear of it and when we're exhaling with them they're like oh you Give know what space. we often figure out when we start to disclose is our our experience is not singular. Others have had it. Mm -hmm. And then we don't have to feel quite so lonely. Mm -hmm. 
And that happens in everything from personal things to entrepreneurship. Oh, mm -hmm. that happened to you too? Oh, we were trying to keep it as a nasty little secret of our own, you know? Right. We thought if we didn't share it, no one would know that we were XXXX as opposed to, oh gosh, this is what happened. Yeah, and that doesn't feel so heavy or serious yeah. or daunting. And yeah. yeah. Kind of vulnerability allows, uh, yeah. you know, allows possibility again. Yeah, yeah. Possibility is a, a beautiful one. You know, I think of options and yes. options to me are possibility. Yes. But I was saying, you know, in my experience uh, um, with Smart Suites is that I will say, Tara, who is the founder as a young founder, one of the most beautiful things about her, and first of all, I think it's really important for entrepreneurs. Like I do feel like there's a bit of a rock star status around entrepreneurship, and I think it's unfair because we're just people trying mm -hmm. stuff. And we're going to get to think that because you run a good business, you do everything beautifully in that business is unfair because let's just be clear, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're a hot mess just like everyone else. We just happen to have an idea that's coming to fruition. Yeah. But with Tara... So Tara was a hot mess and she was one of the most brilliant people I've worked with, but her brilliance was never more present than when she talks about the idea of possibilities and inspiration. And still to this day in my relationship with her, she reminds me of that so much in the way she speaks and talks. And, and so that, like, that's like, you know, orbiting, like I'm always orbiting with her, you know? So yeah. I thank her for that. Love but I, I, I think that's a really big part of you. And, um, you know, and sometimes it is with Ryan. <laughs> <Sometimes>. <laughs> Ryan, I love you. Yeah. yeah, but it is that idea of like, you know, but that yin and the yang of that Absolutely. relationship. You, of, need, you, you know. both. I mean, one thing, we'll get on to the next one, but just kind of speaking to shining personal light on what you're speaking to, like uh, having a business partner, sometimes I'll be really stressed about something and then uh, I'll go talk to Ryan about it and he'll be like, oh, it's all good. And yeah. Like, oh, you're not stressed about it. I'm like, okay, it's all good. Because if he his experience is is light or not as heavy as mine, I'm like, well, maybe I don't need to stress out so much about this. So totally. It, like, and that has been. I mean, again, just to loop back around that partnership. The other way you guys often come up for me is that is a beautiful the partnership you've had in that business is a beautiful partnership. It's not that easy. It's yeah. actually one of the things that screw up businesses so often is that partnership. And I think it's that allowance for each other, that kind of acknowledge, you know, accept, allow mm -hmm. that has. And, and that you work on your relationship. Like mm -hmm. the people think that they're so busy working on the, the business, they forget to work on the relationship is. And let's just talk about that in relationships. I was going to say you can project that to like oh marriage. Oh my gosh, let's yeah. talk about that. Because <laughs> yeah. I think this is really big yeah. for me right now. Yes. Is the idea in intimate relationship, but in any relationship that's important for you, any, any intimate relationship, but let's talk about intimate, intimate partnership, you know? Yes. That includes sex usually, but is that usually is um, that idea that we think we're caring for the relationship by caring for other. And I've really started to think about how in in relationship it's like I care for me because that is my responsibility. There will be things that I do to care for you as my partner, and as much if not more attention has to be to caring for the relationship. And I think as we navigate kids and everything, we start to think, well, I, you know, went and filled up your car with gas for you, so I'm caring for the relationship. But you're not. You're caring for the person or, in fact, the car. Mm -hmm. But where is that idea that we really put our focus to tending to the relationship, the, 
the evolution and the growth of the relationship, mm-hmm. not of individual and not yeah. of self. It's almost a third entity. It's a third entity and perhaps the most important entity because in that we're, we're also allowing other the autonomy for their own growth. And I think that's what's we're, we're afraid in partnership often when we grow because we're afraid of growth for ourselves. So as we witness in someone else, we think, oh, that's just going to take you further away. And yet for me, true love is I love you even if you grow in a way that's different than me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's tough. That's oh, it's hard because again, it can come with some pain or loss. Yeah. But for me, the bigger pain or loss is somebody not, the idea that I would be in partnership with someone, we would, you know, come to the end of that, of death. We would come to the, our last breath and I would ever be exposed to that, that idea that that person didn't live fully and wholly who they were. Mm-hmm. You limited them. That I limited them or they believed that I would limit them. And so they didn't step into themselves. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's, it, it brings me back to something you mentioned earlier that like really resonated and kind of triggered in my mind is when you, you bump into someone and they say, you know, Oh, so-and-so this person, they've really changed. And like often that comes across as like a negative right. statement. Yeah. Or the the flip side of that would be like, or that know, something was negative before, or yeah, 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 yeah. Right. either one, yes, and not just acknowledging, hey, this person really has grown, like and changed and grown, right. and it's like a positive thing. They've moved from one space to another, and like we should celebrate that because it's movement. It's that following the trajectory of like we're supposed to be going somewhere and doing something. Or the flip side is you meet someone that you haven't bumped into in a number of years, and you kind of have that realization of like they're they're kind of stuck where they were. Like right. there's no growth. Right. And like that to me, that's more that's, sad right. than seeing someone or hearing about how someone has changed. But I haven't thought about it in context of like relationship and that totally. the truest expression of love is to like support and hold space for that person. No matter to the change. effect on you. Yeah. I mean, when I say that, for sure being expressing yourself too, but that that I mean, I think we've seen that so much in um this idea of um, fluidity and sexuality is like, what happens if you're in a heterosexual relationship and that person, it, they, their expansion of themselves includes something different than that. Yeah. That doesn't actually mean anything about you. But we're always orienting ourselves around other as a reflection of self. Hmm. And I mean, I'm not saying it's easy, but really the truest thing is that I, I want you to continue to discover things about yourself. And in that discovery, it may or may not mean a continuation of this relationship this way. This way. Yeah. And here we are, we're talking about gender, we're talking about all of these right conversations. And I don't believe we've had the conversation as as equally or as fully around relationship. Mm-hmm. Around the construct of relationship, what it means, what does forever mean? What is that? What does that mean? Forever, forever, you're going to be exactly who I married 30 years ago. Yeah. And what does married mean? Like all of these things are. I, I don't think there's a right and a wrong, but I think that we do need to dig into the conversation. Yeah, yeah. And statistically, like it just just jamming on marriage. Like if you look at the statistics, like half don't work. But what what about if half worked? Till they were meant not to work. See, that's the right, thing. When right? we, we put on the context of forever, then it becomes limiting. limiting. It's yeah. like it was good or it was bad, you know. And I've been so lucky to have a couple of really 
incredible relationships, one for 28 years, mm -hmm. that the completion of it isn't the, it was a completion of it looking one way. Right. It wasn't the completion of the relationship. And it's the same like weirdly about kids. If you're the same parent to your 20-year-old that you are to your five-year-old, <laughs> you're not really being all that helpful. It's not, it's and, not a great parenting move. Right. No. And whereas our, our, our children become adults, do we actually allow for reciprocation in relationship to allow them to be in their fullness so they're, ne mm -hmm. they're not held back by our our experiences of them from the age of one to 30. Mm -hmm. Because if our experiences are always informing what we think they should be about, how, how do we allow for something different? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It comes back to outcomes, really, right? Like this is the outcome that I foresee. This is the vision. I have this vision and if everything doesn't align to the vision that I had as opposed to maybe looking in complete possibility of what if that, yeah. what if that was a, vi and where did I get that vision? Like I said, what really fed me that vision? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And does that exist anymore? And does that serve community anymore? Mm. Or is it something completely different? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's one or the other. I think that all of the beauty and all of the possibility lies in the inquiry, the curiosity, having the, being unafraid to have the conversation. And I think there's so much fear about the conversation because we're worried about how other will accept us, mm, mm, you know, mm, what mm. other will think of us, yeah. how we will be seen, whether we hurt someone. All those things limit our ability to have this, like the, or may limit the, our ability to have the deepest of our conversations with even ourselves. Because if I had to have a deep conversation with myself, would it mean that I would actually have to change things? Oh, that's a lot of work. Yeah. That, yeah. Yep. Where do you start? Where do you start and who does it affect? And, yeah. you know, and I think that when you do go through these evolutions, there is a moment where you have to sit and go, who will this impact? And then the responsibility is to have conversation with those people. It is not not to do it. Mm -hmm. I, that happens a lot in teams with like entrepreneurs. They say, well, if I made this decision, my team and I'm like, well, that's a bit plain God. Like yeah. you allow your team to make the decision, mm -hmm. yeah. allow those people to make a decision. And the way you can serve people best is to be in your truth and in your transparency and in your clarity so others can make their own decision. Yeah. Well, I think that idea of servitude too, whether it's with your team or your family, um, I think we're all in service of ourselves and others. Uh, should we go into another card though? Because I feel like these are like okay, uh, there's so much gold in each one, and <laughs> we'd be doing a disservice to your servitude if we didn't uh, <laughs> share. So a much few service more. going on. Yeah. So much service. Yeah. Dina, you got another one there. Sure. I feel like you pulled a couple that were meaningful to you. Yeah. Well, and I think I mean the the conversation flows so well, and and these line up. And I mean, again, we've kind of touched on this, but intentionally now thinking even about like the conversation we were just having with mm. relationships and stepping into to awareness of, mm. you know, I've started to have this personal inquiry and wanted to do some self-governance and recognizing, oh, that might change myself, mm. my relationships, mm. and not self-selecting out for other people or determining what their response mm -hmm. is going to be. Beautiful. But the question is, now that you know, what will you do? Mm. Ooh, that's a good one, Dina. <laughs> what is that? What resonates for you in that? What does that bring up for you? Oh, yeah, Just flipping it on you, Dean. I know that's the hot seat. That's good. Yeah. Well, we, we said you should be that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I I think it's um it's moving the pieces that need to be moved mm-hmm. and maybe stuff for, for me, it's like stuff that you've known for a while, but kind of like mm-hmm. put off, uh, in some ways I'm a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And so I will not do something that I feel compelled or like really curious and want to explore because the, what if, or what will someone think, say, you know, virtuously, I would like to say, oh, I'm so worried about the other that I wouldn't. I was just going to say that. Right? So permission to hear, yeah, permission yeah. to give back what I hear when you say that is uh, uh, the idea of people pleaser. And I know it's how we feel, but is really our, I believe, might be our own want to not be uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, and so we, again, we dress that up to say, I'm a people pleaser. When in fact, what we say, could say is I'm so uncomfortable with my own discomfort (laughs) that I choose not to do things that are highly important of their importance Mm -hmm. to me. And so what if I gave other the respect of being in my own clarity and transparency and allowed them to make their own decisions? Yeah. What then? That's good. Yeah. yeah, and not dressing it up in not some chivalrous, chivalrous way or, or, you know, yeah. Yeah. oh, no, it's because of my respect for you that I won't do that. The, exactly. Like, no. It makes me sound real good. It makes me it makes me feel really good <laughs> yeah, about I'm myself. so humble. I just and even to... when we go back to that idea of like the de- definition of self, so I'll gently um, suggest, what if you didn't identify as a people pleaser anymore? Mm. What if that was no longer your uh, a definition that you needed to 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 use? Yeah. Then what? You know, then what would, would be the possibility? Well, Dean, knowing you, and I know you are wear that hat of a people pleaser, but you're also a disruptor and uh, a rebel. And uh, maybe you could rebel against uh, pleasing everybody. Yes, yeah, true. And what about if you changed the people pleaser into, I care deeply about people? Yeah. Lean into Because compassion. I think that, that, I don't know you as well as I know Zach, but that's what shows up for me is yes. like, your deep caring of of community of yeah. people and that you know your perhaps the practice for you is that one of sitting in clarity and allowing and being responsible for responsible for self and not pushing responsibility on other but allowing them to take their own responsibility mm. inviting them gently handing it back you know i love it this is good <laughs> okay this question <laughs> leads so good into the one that we just that you just did Hmm. care don't mind how will you sit in compassion and and care without attachment yeah yeah so tell me what comes up (laughs) well i think compassion is the key word there Mm. um leaning into compassion i think if you are compassionate it's almost counterintuitive to attachment because um you're if you're leading with just that compassion, you're not attached to any outcome. You're there to support and cherish and love. Yeah, it's that idea of um, where empathy, and, and empathy is, um, well, sympathy for me should play be very present in ideas of like where somebody loses. There's a loss for somebody, like an, a death of somebody. Let's yeah. put it that way. A death of someone. Because what else can you be besides sympathetic? Mm-hmm. I, I send my deepest of sympathies for you. And, you know, we're 
lots of talk about empathy, but I think empathy is almost overused because it sort of gets a little bit diluted. Mm -hmm. And so empathy often says, I need to know how you feel. And I believe true compassion is I don't actually need to know how you feel at all. I will allow you to have all your feelings and I will be in presence while you have them mm -hmm. without judgment. And when in practicing pure compassion, it is like that thing of looking at somebody that you know you don't you're in discernment about you're in you don't want their behavior or their action around you i can think of a political figure for me from the u.s yes. <laughs> no, political great, yeah is where like but you know i look at I, i'm in discernment about those ideals were not my ideals i didn't agree with behavior all of those things but i can be in high compassion that that was someone's kid mm -hmm. that person too was a little boy who wanted stairs in his house so he could come down and see a Christmas tree. Yeah. You know, he was, um, he's somebody's dad. He's someone's grandpa. And I bet there's moments of beauty in that. So I can have compassion for that. I can be in awareness of that and still be high to clear. It's not somebody I would want to have dinner with. Yeah. Well, I think it also, uh, one of our themes that we've explored through multiple podcasts is like the loss of nuance. And I think... Sitting in the compassion and care without attachment allows for, for nuance, learning, and conversation. Mm -hmm. So you might think differently, differently than me, but if I can have compassion towards your views that might be in op opposition of mine, then um, if we can explore that with compassion, going back to this idea again of possibility, instead of um, me being, you're wrong, I'm right, so non-binary, um, non-attachment. You can't be binary yes. if you're not attached. And then it allows us to grow and heal and uh, interact as a society versus this division that we're right. seeing right now. That idea of if you have a different thought than me, it means that you are a bad person, yes. binary, yes. as opposed to you simply have a different thought than me. And like I said, sometimes the thought or the action can be one that I'm actually not up and able for. Yes. But it that, again, is a decision that doesn't have that energy of um i'm it doesn't it doesn't have a right and a wrong to it it yes. has a this is what i'm choosing for me in my life yeah and you also get it, it, all those things that are coming up now sovereignty autonomy but also where we understand care of each other mm -hmm. and i believe that so compassion may look like different things in different circumstances sometimes it looks like curiosity mm -hmm. sometimes it looks literally like pure presence with nothing pure presence, pure pause while somebody navigates themselves, you know, and sometimes it looks like, I believe, you know, um, kindness and clarity and, and transparency. And, and sometimes it looks like love, mm -hmm. you know, well, I think compassion always looks like love is just not everyone's as like I use the word, I, I, I feel a lot of love about a lot of things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't bother me. Love doesn't bother me. Because, yeah. And it, and also I'm like, talk about what you asked me earlier, um, Zach, what was alive for me? The idea that that love has to be singular or that it has to be limited, that I have to love Zach less than I love my daughter because he's not my child. Mm -hmm. It might be a different kind of love, but the, I believe the more we allow people in our lives to feel love, like really love others that their hearts expand and the love we get is just amplified and but you know in relationship we're like 
don't love them, love me, you know, like yeah. all of this stuff. It feels limited. It feels limited. And yeah. I, that's when I really push when someone tries to, where I feel, I feel the idea that I'm not allowed to love or the, the and again, the definition of relationship, mm-hmm. I would have a really hard time defining my relationship with Zach. I, I would say that most people in my life, I have a really hard time defining my relationship because to me, it transcends so many of the words that we use saying you're my friend actually doesn't um it doesn't encompass the magnitude of my feeling Mm -hmm. and it doesn't encompass the depth and the breadth of a relationship for me you know but i don't know what to call you (laughs) i spend a lot of time not calling anybody anything yeah (laughs) including yeah exactly exactly just call me judy you know when somebody asks me what i do i'm like oh good god i don't know what do i do but that idea um and and people want definitions of things Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah because it makes them feel more comfortable it Mm -hmm. is not my job to make others feel comfortable yes if i'm not being in my own truth Mm -hmm. and going back to what we're saying before you can be more than one thing totally and that thing can change yeah you know i guess i mean i say the word loved one a lot because that's the only thing a loved one that i can think about Yeah. yeah even with rosen and clooney who are my grandkids i try not to always introduce them as my grandkids because that feels like i'm limiting them right you know and it feels a bit ownership like onerous like yes. i have an ownership of them and because there is a power and equity right now i'm the older one like if they call me their they call me jamma their jamma that feels like i want to be owned by them <laughs> go for it yes. but i i'm really cognizant that that i still am the one who holds the most power just because i'm the adult and because i can make decisions around things yeah. so i'm not always good at it but i really i try to be like i try to be aware mm. of it i try to hold awareness of it yeah Okay, I've got one more. Didn't you have, actually, do you want to do one, Dean? You got one ready? Maybe we can do two more and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Because <laughs> okay. we can go forever. We can go. We, we haven't even going. gone into the contemplation. So uh, I haven't even heard your other. Oh, so we have to be another one. Part, okay. Part okay. two, contemplation. Well, Considerations. I get the contemplation. Yeah. All right, so this one, we can we can jam on a bit. Um, the, the, sub, the subtitle of the question or the subpiece of the question is the statement, creating space for options, which is, again, something that we've mm. circled on here. But the idea or the question that you phrase, frame is, what if you just stopped? Yeah. Yeah. Which I love. Because yeah. that is like the counterintuitive narrative to our time. It's like, don't stop. Keep going. Get a hustle. Get a side hustle. Yeah. Work, grind. Do the grind. grind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's funny, hey, one is like that idea of what if you just stopped and the other was, you know, when is it a time to when now that you know, what will you do? And I think we actually work in opposition to those. We know something, we're uncomfortable with what a decision might mean, so we do nothing. And then the other thing is we do a lot to distract ourselves so that we don't have to sit in those decisions that are uncomfortable. So we do, and we do, I mean, that's that one in business is like, mind-blowing to me because we, we we often will not focus in on the things that are most important and we'll do a lot of the stuff around can i tell another story Zach? of course yeah. this is also a good one <laughs> this is a time when zach and ryan you know they were looking at options in the business because you should you know people were wanting to you know was should there be investment this was quite a while ago 
And I remember lots of people calling them and being like, we want to do this with you. We want to buy you. We want to, you know, all of these things. And Zach and Ryan came home from meeting um, a guy and they said to me, well, you really liked us. And I was literally like, <laughs> I, remember this conversation. I was like, oh, was that one of the prerequisites? Like the idea that, oh, I got reflected to that. Like I'm a good guy as opposed to, hey, our, not even our values, but it was like, it was like, I, my assumption was he liked you, but it was, but I think it was like actually one of the things you could hold on to. And that was literally the idea that in community and in it, it's the job of some people to like you so that they can partner with you, you yes. know, but I just remember that. Sorry, so that was like, I, I was just like, I remember that. did this just happen? Yeah. <laughs> it happened. It happened. <laughs> it was the best. I loved that one. And then, of course, I said it out loud, and we all three just like started a howling. I think we've had a few of those too. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, that happens for me all the yeah. time because yeah. like we get distracted. Yes. Of course. It's nice to be liked. It's nice to be. And also, the distraction was of like maybe I don't actually, I think that distraction on that particular one is if we just sat with what we really, really, really think in here, or if we are not even think what we know or knowing, mm-hmm. we would know that we shouldn't even be having this conversation. Mm hmm. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you think, um, being mindful of your time, do you think we could do one or two contemplations just to give the listeners? Yeah, let's do uh, it. Okay. Do you want to, can you choose, I chose a couple. Do here. you want me to read it for you and then you can do the back? I'll read it out to you. Yeah, you, you want to lead, lead a couple of contemplations? Yeah, I'll do this one because it's short and then you guys can <laughs> tell me and then I'll give you a little pause and consider and then you guys, you do the work. Okay. This is Lead With Love. It's um, Emma Goldman. If love does not know how to give and take without restrictions, it is not love, but a transaction that never fails to lay stress on a plus and a minus. I'm going to read it again. If love does not know how to give and take without restrictions, it is not love, but a transaction that never fails to lay stress on a plus and a minus. And on the pause, it says, lead with love. It seems obvious, but so often it's easier said than done. How can humans mess up something as simple as love? Maybe your needs are in the way, consciously and unconsciously. Consider, where is it time to give without any thought of receiving? Where is it time to give without any thought of receiving? Reflect, freedom lies in the childlike purity of heart. This is love. Read the poem again. How are you loving yourself in the world? Are you only offering in hope of expectation or getting something in return? So I guess the consideration is, where is it time to give without any thought of receiving? Where might it be time to give without any thought of receiving? I mean, I think always for one. But I mean, the obvious one for me is parenting because I don't expect to receive anything I hope for their love in return and for their, you know, time and energy. But I I give unconditionally to my children mm-hmm. with the hope that they'll have space to live with love in their own terms. And where do you think, is there anywhere right now where if you sit in it and take a deep breath and a pause that you think that you might re-engage, where you, where you should go forward in love without any hope of receiving? Well, I think in so much like 
maybe in a business sense that you can project anywhere in life. I mm. think so much in business is transactional. You know, mm. I give you a juice and I want you to post about it or I want you to mm. talk about it or um, there's this like idea of transactional relationships in business, yeah. which, which bothers me, you know, yeah. like I think we should build relationships that are genuine, mm. that have no expectation of outcome uh, mm. because that's, um, where collaboration and community happens. If I give you a juice and I want you to post about it, that relationship ends at that transaction. Totally. Um, there is a transaction that's clear there, which yes. is I give you a juice and you pay for it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yes. and so, yeah, well, let's be clear about transaction. And then yes. I sometimes wonder that, like, so you talked about your kids, and then I guess if I were going to gently push, I'd say, yes. what about your parents, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so we'll leave that one there. Judy does it really well. So, yeah. yeah. You know, where is it that we don't do it on purpose, but we're so used to receive it from parents? Where of course. Is it that we just... And I talk about this with Megan, my wife, because our, our kids are young, um, our relationship with our parents, not maybe not because that, I think that's using an excuse to start with, but where we are in our life, we are choosing to, the relationship is not, equal with our parents because we're often asking them to give their time and energy to help take care mm -hmm. of our children. Mm -hmm. So instead of being equals or being in relationship with them, we're basically asking them to mm -hmm. be babysitters all the time. And it like definitely changes our relationship to wanting them to be in service to us versus Right, being in service to them. In service to them. Yeah, it's a good thing to be. And and there's times in our lives where things are. Um, it makes sense why that exists. I think the thing to remember is when it needs to change. Yes, and just to like, I can't remember the last time I went for lunch with just my mom or something. Oh, like that. and as no. as the mom of someone who has now crown kids, who I can't wait to hang out with those kids. They're yes. so much fun. Is I would say that when Devin and I take a moment to be together, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is heaven, you yeah. know? Mm. Yeah, so I think, so that's a, so you answered your question. It yes. took you a moment. And what about for you? Yeah, I think um, this this consideration would have been helpful like two and a half years ago. Yeah. <laughs> really helpful. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, navigating like for for my wife, like coming out of a time where she was like kind of exclusively mom mm. because of just the stage and age of our, mm. of our kids. And then for her having the moment of like it, growth to be like, mm. I'm, I need to like reemerge mm. as like my own person. And for me, uh, in my role in the family and our mm. relationship, like it's just different. Like the kids mm -hmm. didn't need as much from me at that time, mm -hmm. right? It's, interestingly enough, apart from our youngest, but it's like starting to shift more now yeah. um, where I'm like doing some more of like the primary kind of mm -hmm. like caregiving roles and stuff, mm -hmm. which is which is great and I love it. But the the point of the consideration or reflection is like I had a really hard time with her growth because mm -hmm. it felt like, wait, what? Like I'm losing some of my freedom and like ability to just kind of gallivant and like do the things that I want to do without real second thought of like, oh, how does this impact you? Or how does this mm. keep you in this situation? And so when she was like, no, I need to start like f 
becoming myself again mm. and like redefining who I am as not just mummy, but like as my own person. That was like a point of soreness. Yeah. Well, and, thanks for saying that because I have that. I hear that a lot. Yeah. I hear that a lot. And I was just saying to Zach, two kids is worse than one, <laughs> better and worse. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's more time. And I think that I love you saying that out loud. And mm. I think that, you know, anybody who does happen to be listening, it's that, that absolute transparency and that clarity about that statement may make people not feel so alone because it can feel like a bit like you're evil when you recognize that for yourself. Like you're, I'm not a good person because yeah. I feel these things. I feel the lack of freedom. I feel the lack of my selfness. And then looking at the, in this case, the mom and going, oh gosh, this has actually been happening for you for a lot longer than it has for me. And even before, yeah. you know, I, I say one part in the, the, you know, the, the book part, the bound part of that is this idea of, you know, my understanding that I'm like, totally insignificant in the world and therefore immensely important you know just like a like a little ant you know like you go through the forest and you're like that ant means nothing and yet it means everything and when we i think that that kids are one of the ways they're not the only way that mm-hmm. we get to to see that i'm you know yeah just not significant i am so insignificant and i am so important yeah you know, I, I love that. So that's the, yeah, so much of that conversation. I love this about any time getting into conversation with people. There seems to like be patterns of the month. And this has been one of them. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like men in my life who have a kid or two around the same age as going, whoa, I actually didn't understand that I would be, that I wouldn't be the most important thing anymore in my own life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and what that means. And it's, uh, yeah, so where do we keep our sense of selfness and yet understand that we chose to have the kid and therefore it is 100% our responsibility. Yeah. You know, where where do we do that? How is that we keep in self? And if we don't keep in self and in responsibility, we don't allow them to be self. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. They 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 need us to be like fully us. Totally. So that they can become can be fully, fully them. Like, yeah. It's like amazing. And that idea of family is so important. And it can also be limiting. Like I used to think, you know, I had Dev when I was younger, but I used to think the idea of she had so many people in her world that I wanted her to believe any adult that she loved had as much importance in her life as me. Because again, that idea of limiting her love to primarily me mm. meant that I wasn't allowing her to be in full expansion yeah. and resourced. Yeah. Like, I think that that's another thing that I think about love is that idea of others loving you mm. means you're really, really resourced. And that means that in, in a partnership, in an intimate partnership, it's like how an, it is not good for our romantic being for us to be our only resources. Because then we don't allow our our that our sexual like our our link of sexuality to be present because there's no mystery left. Mm. Like I know freaking everything about you every inch of the way. I know every time you're feeling high, low, in between. Like that doesn't allow kind of that completion and discovery and inquiry and mystery to keep arising and self. You don't allow the mystery to keep going. Mm. So I think uh, yeah, I think it's really important. So yay. What's your partner's name? Ayla. Ayla? Yeah. 
Yay, Ayla. Yeah, Ayla. She's doing Ayla. it. It was the year, she dubbed it the year of Ayla. Nice. And then that was Loving like it. rediscovering it and it was good. And I'm so, I'm so proud of her and so happy. And like, yeah. I had to learn, like, you yeah. know, this is, this is a good thing. And this is a good thing for me. That's yeah. like, yeah. Good thing for you all. Yeah. 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 Well done, it was, it was a good learning. Yeah. Well, I think we could easily just keep going through these questions, but just being mindful of time, yeah. both of yours and, and the listeners. Um, Dean, maybe we could wrap up with, um, you know, we could just go to our, our closing question and, and we'll save, uh, we'll save more for part two uh, yeah. and part three and part four. And, uh, you know, obviously you're, you're a big part of, of my life and, and now Dean's life I as know, well. I feel it, Dean. <laughs> I feel it. Thank you. So thank so, you. Thank you. Honored you guys really honored and yeah. Thank you. On and off the pod, the journey will continue. Yeah. And uh, but we do have one closing oh, question that we ask everybody. Oh gosh! Yes. This so is the close. This the is closer. our. This is our consideration. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Zach and I um, started this podcast, and mm. we went back and forth on what the name might be. Mm. And as most things happen for us on a run, Zach put forward this idea, and it just landed and felt right that we call it a little more good. Mm. It's what we want to create and see and do and be in the world. And we always ask each of our guests, what does that mean to you? Mm. A little more good. Yeah, um, I think for me, so love it, first of all. And I think for me, it is the idea of me continuing to show up in a way that is um, both in truth and in, in service. And, and it can be big or little. You know, it doesn't have to be big and meaty. Um, sometimes the littlest things are the things that make the most impact. So I hope that every day I wake up and try a little bit more and recognize where I need to um, get a bit more curious, where I need to pause, where I need to leave space. And, um, and I'm really so, so infinitely grateful for... Um, a community of people that does that with me and for me. So yeah, a little more good. I love that. So, so good. Thank you yeah, so much, thank Judy. Thank you guys. Thanks, so Judy. Fun. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, so good. Thanks, yeah. guys. Wow, there we go. Yeah. Judy Brooks, everyone. I mean, come on. So good. The cards, the considerations. Contemplations. Yeah. Conversations. So good. And the artifact, like I wish, uh, I don't know, I don't know if we can like somehow take a picture of it or link it, but I wish that you could just hold it in your hands. Maybe you have to just go on an immersion with, with oh Judy, my goodness. but the, the artifact book cards, it's like a whole thing in and of itself. And it is just, it's art. It's like, it's awesome. It's an amazing piece that is like a thoughtful conversation starter opportunity to self-reflect to just take a pause from kind of the the everyday and think about something beautiful or meaningful mm -hmm. in your own life it's just wonderful i think back to like uh when i was in my teens and early 20s my my mom always had those like cards that you pull you know like and it would give you a consideration for the day or okay. a question for the day yeah you get them at like Banyan Books or, oh, you know, Banyan like so, some of those more like spiritually oriented stores mm -hmm. and they'd have like fairies or trees or whatever on them, you know. Um, I feel like the artifact is just this beautiful thing that 
captures these considerations and questions and reflections that we all need to be um, asking ourselves and considering on mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Because I think when we have that self inquiry, um, we can show up in a more intentional way. So, you know, having having the artifact, the book, whatever you want to call it, on on my book, and just being around it Mm -hmm. and pulling a card, you know, once a day or once every few days just gives me that moment to self-reflect and self-inquire. And, and when I do that, I usually show up with more intention, whether that's in parenting or the meetings that I'm going to. So it might seem like a small act asking yourself a question or a consideration at the Mm -hmm. beginning of the day. But I think the ripple effect is so big. And if we can all start to show up intentionally, you know, we can live in possibility. That's right. Make those ripples and they just keep they just keep going and yeah. Who knows where that ripple ends. That's right. The positive trail. Positive trail. The positive trail. But yeah, so that's a that's a great one. As you said at the top of the episode, uh, we look forward to having Judy back. Yes. And sharing more of her insights and considerations and wisdom and laughter. It was so good. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed having the conversation. Uh, if you did, you know, please uh, give it a share. Send it to uh, a loved one or put it up on your social. Yeah. Um, you know, throw down a, a review or a like or or whatever kind of positive kudos you can uh, you can share. We appreciate it. We're grateful for all of that, mm-hmm. and uh, we look forward to hanging with y'all again next week, same time, same place. Stay good, y'all. Peace. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 